message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. there's only one scripture I've been mentioning the last few weeks, and this is something the Lord's put in my heart, almost like a scripture for this year, this scripture in Colossians 3, verse 2 and 3. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Do I really believe that? I have to admit that sometimes in my life, I'm a mixture of belief and unbelief, depending really where I have set my mind, what really I'm seeing, what I'm believing. Sometimes in church on a Sunday, especially after Pastor Ruby has preached, I'm definitely, praise the Lord, I'm definitely getting it. I've got my mind set in Christ, I'm receiving, praise the God. And when I go out that door, I find it so easy to minister, you know. Have you noticed that when you've been to a meeting and you've got a word from the Lord? You'll face a difficult situation that week in a much better way, which is why we tell people, don't um, stop coming under the sound of the word because you're going to be much better equipped to recognize a lie when it comes down the phone at you or when it comes to uh, in whatever way. You can actually be in the truth. Here's another one very often that we really struggle to believe. It speaks of the same thing, the same change of state. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, Lord, when I look at my life, it looks looks to me like the same old, same old. What does that mean, that all things are new? What does that mean to be a new creation? Now, would you agree that the Holy Spirit and the Word are in agreement? Would you agree with that? They don't fall out, do they? Whatever the Word says is what the Holy Spirit is saying. What I want to speak to you this morning about is hearing from God understanding the language of the Holy Spirit, being able to hear better what God is saying. Because if I went around this room and said to you, what's your ambition as a believer for 2017? I think that probably the majority of us would say, I just want to hear from God more. Would you say that? That's why you're here today. I just want to hear from God more. So I want to speak to you this morning about hearing from God by learning to understand the language that the Holy Spirit speaks in. And the Holy Spirit... You and I may be confused about the state that we're in. The Holy Spirit is not confused. And he always speaks exactly the truth that this scripture declares, the truth of who we now are in Christ. So you and I, we may struggle at times to understand this new reality, that our righteousness is in Christ, that our union is with Christ, that we have the mind of Christ, especially when we think of our minds on a Monday morning. But you know what? The Holy Spirit refuses to minister to us according to how we feel, according to how we see ourselves in the natural. He will not stop ministering how he sees us in the supernatural. He'll not stop ministering and speaking in the language of heaven, in the language of what Christ has done, not in the language of how I feel. You see, as parents even, if, we, if you have a parent and you have a child and, and they go through a difficult time where they're really struggling with their identity, with who they are, feeling worthless, getting to the point of severe uh, discouragement or depression, uh, feeling useless, you don't go along as a parent and say, well, you know what, I, I, I come into agreement with you. All right, 
If you feel that way, that's the way I'll speak to you. You're right, you're no good, good for nothing, never amount to anything, so and so. Is that better? No parent would ever bring down the level at which they speak to their child to match how the child feels. So what I'm saying to you about hearing the voice of the Spirit is, the first thing we have to learn is, the Holy Spirit is not going to change the language in which he speaks. He speaks to us as somebody who knows the truth, who knows what Christ has done, who knows what happened on that cross, who knows that we have been given everything. And so he addresses us as new creations. And that very fact explains the reason why many of us for years have struggled to receive or to hear the voice of God. Because we have never really grown up to use the language that the Holy Spirit uses. The language, you could say, of union. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. My brother, you know, he went to uh, France last year. And uh, he's leaving again this, uh, this month, actually, to live in France. And because he's living in France, he uh, had to learn French. Because you know what they speak in France? So if you want to receive, you want to understand what someone was saying, you've got to learn the language of the nation, the realm, the kingdom that that person actually lives in. Same if he went to Germany, he'd have to learn to speak German. So all I want to say to you, and everything I say this morning, I just want to communicate this one truth. The Holy Spirit only speaks and ministers to us in the language of the kingdom that we're now living in. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit only speaks and ministers to us in the language of the kingdom that we're now living in. Because he knows that the best thing for you and I is to start speaking that language, is to start receiving that revelation. And you and I as Christians very often, we are unsure of what kingdom that is. I've got to hold my hand up. You know, According to whether I'm having a good week or a bad week, it seems to me like I'm even living in heaven or hell. Very often in the natural, we struggle to walk in that realm, the realm of the new creation, as it were. But the Holy Spirit, no matter how confused you get or I get, the Holy Spirit is not confused about what kingdom believers live in. Let's have a look at this together. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians. And you know we're dealing a lot in Colossians at the moment. We're doing Colossians and Ephesians and the School of Grace. And so I want to show you a scripture in Colossians uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing In the knowledge of God. Did you see that word increasing? Strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness. And patience. Joyously. Giving thanks to the father. Who has qualified us. To share in the inheritance. Of the saints in light. For he rescued us. From the domain of darkness. And transferred us. Some of your translations say translated us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we are now as believers hidden with Christ in God. And we may insist on being spoken to as 
who we feel ourselves to be, whether that be a no good, good for nothing, who keeps trying to be a good Christian but keeps failing and never quite manages it. But we may insist on being spoken to according to what we have done for God or not done for God. But I want to tell you this morning is the Holy Spirit insists on speaking to us only according to what God has done for us, according to who we are in Christ. The language of the Spirit is from the country or the kingdom he sees us to be in. And you can see from Colossians very clearly that you as a believer have been translated. You have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of separation from God, and into the kingdom of his Son, the kingdom of union with him. You are indeed hidden with Christ in God. And because the Holy Spirit knows that, he refuses to speak to us in any other language except that language, the language of union. Because he wants us to be and to live in Christ and to speak as people who are in Christ. For you know, when you speak of the Spirit, life comes. To speak from the Spirit is life-giving. In fact, I would say that's a definition of authority. When Jesus spoke, it says in Mark's Gospel, the people were astonished for he spoke as one with authority. And I think the Amplified says that he speaks as somebody who knows who he's talking about. If you and I come to believe what God has really done for us, it changes the way we speak. We begin to speak in the language of heaven. And the language of heaven carries authority. When you speak of whom you know, you carry authority. Remember Jesus said to the woman of the well, you worship whom you do not know, but we Jews, we worship whom we know. When you worship, when you speak of whom you know, carries great authority. Sets you free from other people's opinions. We sang that song this morning. We have heard a thousand stories of what they think you like, but now we're no longer prisoner to what other people think you're like. You can know. Your gift as a believer is to know. You're given the Holy Spirit, not just so you can speak in tongues or even operate in the gifts. You're given the Holy Spirit primarily for this purpose, that you would be led into all truth. That you and I would be people who know. For this nation needs people who know the Father, who know what he's like. And one of the first things we have to learn is, this is the language he speaks. If we want to know God, we need to hear his voice. And how can we hear his voice if we're not speaking in the same language? You know, when Patrick went to France, he wanted to do this course called TEFL. Some of you know of this course, Teach English in a Foreign Language. And we think, Patrick, you're going there to learn to teach French people English, but you don't know any French. But apparently when he got there, that wasn't a problem. Because when he was being taught how to teach English, the students were told, you're not allowed to speak French. From day one, you must begin to speak in English. So Patrick didn't really have too many problems, you see. Here is the rule of the game. If you want to learn to speak this language, then from day one, you're not allowed to speak any other language but the language that you're trying to learn. I think that's a good way to learn to speak a new language. Apparently, so does everybody else. I remember when I was growing up, a lot of my friends learned to speak Irish. I missed out, you know. I wanted to do the sciences, become a vet, so I never got to, to finish my Irish, you know. I was a little bit jealous. I wanted to speak Irish, but some of my friends were really struggling. But I noticed that every summer they did the same thing. In order to become fluent in Irish... They went to the Gaeltacht. They went to West Donegal. They went to Ranafest or Gorda Hork or one of these places. And for two weeks, they stayed there and they only spoke Irish. And here was the rule. If you spoke English, you were sent home. That was the rule. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit knows, too, that the quickest way to teach believers their new language is to say, listen, don't you speak in your own language. Now, listen, you're not going to lose your salvation. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven. But if you speak in your own language, your mind is going home. Your mind is going back to the place that you were in. Your mind is going back to separation. And that's not where you are now as a believer. 
Hear it again. You're hidden with Christ in God. That's where the Holy Spirit sees you to be. That's the kingdom, the realm he sees you to be in. So the Holy Spirit insists that that will be the language that the church speaks and the language that the church ministers in. If you're a child of the kingdom of light, of union with God, then we try not to speak in the old language of separation from God. It won't change our reality of our position in Christ, but it'll set our mind back into that old place, the natural realm. So the language of the Spirit is from the country, the kingdom he sees us to be in. And here is the place he sees us to be in. You are in Christ. Now, what does that mean? That's the journey we're on. That is the journey we're on. We're being led by the Holy Spirit to understand what it means to be in Christ. That's why we speak and sing so constantly about the new creation, that we would minister always in the new language. So the language he speaks to us in, he speaks to us as people in Christ. And in fact, if we go through the epistles, the Holy Spirit wrote these epistles, and he wrote to the church, no matter what the situation in the church no matter it would be the Corinthians, the licentious Corinthians, or the holy Ephesians, no matter how well they were doing or weren't doing, no matter the teaching, the exhortation, no matter what problem they were doing, the Holy Spirit uses the same language. He speaks to them as saints. He speaks to them as people in the kingdom. He speaks to them as who they are in Christ. And I want to show you this this morning. Turn to Ephesians. And those of you who are, knowing, who are doing the, the study, you'll know this very well. Here we see the language the Holy Spirit is using to the church. And he's using the language of the place he believes we now are, the place called in Christ. It may seem strange to us, but it's not strange to the Holy Spirit. Let's read Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's number one. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There it is again. Just as he has chose us in him. There it is again. Before the foundation of the world, that we'd be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. There it is again. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven and things on the earth, In him, it goes on and on and on, several times, up to ten times in those first 14 verses, that same phrase is used again, in Christ. And most of us have believers, have not grown to see ourselves in Christ, and so we struggle to use the language. It's a bit like speaking French or German, or speaking Irish, you know. If you really want to live and speak the language fluently, set your mind there, move there, live there, surround yourself with people who speak that language. The reason I've struggled sometimes is because I've been surrounded with people who do not speak that language, the language of union, but who speak the language of man-made religion, the language of separation, the language that uh, you need to do something about your sin. You need to get those old fig leaves out. You need to get religion out and cover yourself. That's not the language of the gospel. Praise God. Now, I want to show you a passage again in 1 Corinthians 2. Turn to this. This is a language where the Holy Spirit is speaking of the language of the Spirit. 
This passage is saying the Holy Spirit language cannot be understood if you only see yourself according to how the natural world sees you. This is 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been, what's the next word? Given to us by God, freely. Now these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Do you see what he's saying? We use the words of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to use natural language when we're speaking to you. For the Holy Spirit compares spiritual things with spiritual. So you notice the Holy Spirit does not deal with spiritual things as us in anything other than a spiritual way. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive. Underline the word receive in your Bible. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, these things sound incredible, don't they? You were sitting in Tesco's on a Wednesday trying to struggle with your change, trying to work out what it is to take one pound from six pounds. I have the mind of Christ. Yes, you have the mind of Christ. And we're learning to receive that mind, to receive God's thoughts, which are higher, super, than natural thoughts. All of our lives, our identity has been defined by people around us who see us in the natural. And that includes in the church. We have treated each other according to the natural. The Holy Spirit is very gently but very forcefully saying, I want you to grow up. I want to lead you into who you now are in Christ." that you would speak the language of the Holy Spirit, the language of heaven, that he would have a people who speak a supernatural language. When we speak supernatural words, supernatural words do things that natural words cannot do. So when you go to the child or the person who's sitting in depression or sitting in darkness, when you speak the word of God over them, what Christ has done for them, that's like striking a match in the darkness. Don't curse the darkness. Turn the light on. Speak life. Speak life, church. Speak life over this church. Speak life over your family. Speak life over every desperate, dirty situation you've looked at for years and never seen a change in. Speak life over it. For you know, the Lord loves those situations. There was a time in Jericho where people had long stopped speaking life over Zacchaeus. But when God himself incarnate walked into that town, the person he picked out was Zacchaeus, the worst person in town, and said, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house tonight. Because I have things to say to you. It's going to take a little bit of time. But by the time I've finished speaking to you, Zacchaeus, you're going to be a new man. And he was. He stood up at the end of that feast totally transformed. Isn't that beautiful? Now, it's taking time for you and I to have our minds renewed. That's all right. But get on the journey. Get on the journey. For your family's sake, get on the journey. Because you will receive hurt from them. And how are you going to speak life into them when you're too busy licking your own wounds. And certainly, if you've been in the church for years, you better prepare yourself to be misunderstood, <laughs> let down, ignored, whatever. Guess what? I saw, I saw this on Facebook. Somebody once said, if you've, uh, what did he say? If you've left church, your faith wasn't in God, it was in people. That's so true. God wants to lift our eyes into the supernatural realm. 
If we're not doing our job, you know, if we're not ministering this supernatural message, if you're not learning to see yourself in Christ, you're not sitting under the ministry of the New Testament. You're not sitting under the gospel. The gospel changes people. It doesn't just bring them into the new kingdom and saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. That's what they were told. You come to the knowledge of Christ. You be people who walk down that street with a knowledge of Christ. Such a knowledge that you can look at people who others have written off. Even people in the church have written off and say, I know what the Holy Spirit is saying to that person. Like Peter and John, I'd say the gate, beautiful. Everybody had walked past that guy who'd been crippled for years. Peter looked at him one day and said, God, you know what, today I, I, I know, I know what God is saying to you. Get up. You know, and that's the work of the Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit. How am I supposed to hear that voice if I don't even know the language he's speaking in? To what extent I remain naturally minded as a believer, earthly minded, is the extent to which I cannot receive what has been freely given. So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, that you may receive this great truth, that you are hidden with Christ in God. Lord, help me to live there. Help me to speak from there. And he is helping us. Can you say amen? He is helping us, praise God. Paul wrote it like this. We're speaking about how your language should change as you grow as a believer. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, how we're speaking to each other really is an expression of what we're thinking. The thoughts of God. Are we thinking the thoughts of God? Are we thinking what God is thinking about us? He is saying, if you think like a child, you will speak a child. And you will only understand as a child understands. You'll only get little bits and pieces. Listen again to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Set your mind on things above. Think in a new way. For you died. Get your mind around that. I wonder if I came here every Sunday and only preached two words every Sunday. You died. You died. You died. You know, the Lord begins to treat us. From the moment you're saved, he treats you as if you're dead. In fact, the very first thing you are told to do is to go and have a funeral. You know, in the Old Testament, or sorry, throughout the scriptures in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, there was no such thing as the sinner's prayer. When the gospel was preached, people were baptized immediately. It was like, do you believe this gospel? Do you believe what Jesus did for you? Then be a new creation. Be the person he has set his love on. Be the person he has given his life to. Get away with that old life. Let it die. Bury it. Go and get rid of anything that attaches you to your old life and go straight into your new life. You know, the early church took that so seriously. They even sold their houses and fields. Amazing. They cut themselves off from dependency on the world entirely. Because they knew the language of the Spirit. And we're just being taught this language again. Holy Spirit is teaching us to speak in the language of heaven. Learn to speak not as someone separated from God, but as someone in God, as someone hidden with Christ and God. Knowing where a person is from changes the language by which you speak to them. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning. I refuse to speak to you in any language other than the language of who you now are in Christ. You know, if we learn this, it really helps with a lot of disappointment. Sometimes I get very disappointed in my prayers to God because I keep telling him all my problems, and all he says is, you're perfect. 
You can set yourself up for a lot of disappointment, really, if we don't learn to speak this language. When I was 18, I um, went on a holiday in the Pyrenees with some friends. There was four of us went. And we were hiking in the Pyrenees of the south of France on the border with Spain. And one day we came down this mountain. It was dark and uh, it was very cold. We were very high up. And we came across this refuge. It was like a hostel on top of the mountain. And you could go in there and you could pay a little few francs at the door. And they give you a food and a bed for the night. So me and my friends went in. And it was just full of local people, you know. And we didn't really speak French. So we went in and we paid our money. And they give you a little glass of mulled wine. And then they give you a lovely meal, and you got a bed in a dormitory. So we were sitting around this long wooden table, and we were just keeping ourselves to ourselves because we didn't speak the lingo. But we thought, better be friendly. So I turned to a couple beside us, and you know what English and Irish people do when they're abroad and they want to speak? They just speak English really slowly and really loudly, you know? So I was saying things to these people like, uh, cold outside, isn't it? And they were saying, yes. And then I was saying things like, um, we're, my, my name, my name is Phelim. What is your name? And they would say, oh, my name is, my, my wife's name is, you know. And finally I said to them, we're from Ireland and England. Where are you from? You know what the woman said? We're from Australia. I sometimes wonder what the angels think of us when they look at us. When they look at us as Christians, people who've been given everything, and the language that we use, and the way that we speak to each other, halteringly, hesitantly, doubtfully, doubly minded, really, about who we are. The way we plead with God to do this and to do that. Where we've never really grown up. I was thinking about this during the week, and... uh, I think there are two things that astonish angels. Number one, that God has given himself entirely to man. You know, the Bible says that astonishes the angels. Peter wrote in his first epistle that angels long to look into this beautiful gospel that's been brought by the Holy Spirit. Angels long to look into it. That's 1 Peter 1.12. The second thing I believe that astonishes angels is that so many of us as men and women, as believers, cannot believe what God has done cannot receive the enormity of what God has done for us. We won't believe that the Father has qualified us to live in the kingdom. We're still trying to qualify ourselves. We won't believe that we have been translated, transferred from separation to union. Our language and our prayers are still the prayers of people separated from God. And we won't believe that we are now, now in Christ now a new creation. That scripture says that you would set your minds on things above, for you are now hidden with Christ in God. But if I do not learn as a believer to receive this gospel, this supernatural gospel, the one the angels long to look into, the one that sounds like utter foolishness, then you know what I'll do? I'll continue in my life to look for new things. In not seeing the new thing, in not living in the new thing, in not being the new person, all of my life I look in the church and I look in the world for new things. I'll hunger after something new. I'll run after something new. 
because there's a hunger in me for something new. Because that hunger has not been satisfied by receiving the newness that Christ has placed in me. You know, the devil does not mind your eye believing that God is about to do a new thing, that God is about to bless you because of your life or your prayers, because of the church you go to, because of the sacrifices you've made, that a better day is close, very close. He doesn't mind you believing that a new day is coming because that just means that you can't see the new day you're living in. That's worth saying again. The devil doesn't mind you believing for something new, for a new day, a better day coming, as long as you'll never see today the day that you're living in. The newness. You know, when the church wakes up to what Christ has done, the devil is finished. His lies will not work anymore. Because we'll have a people on the face of the earth who minister the truth that sets people free of how good the Father is. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul pleaded with them to wake up to the realities of the Spirit. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6 for a moment. This letter begins like this in chapter 6. He's pleading with the church. He says, as workers together with him, this is 2 Corinthians 6 from verse 1, as workers together with him, we also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, church, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now in that passage, the Apostle Paul knows the Corinthians are struggling to receive the realities of the Spirit. He knows the difficulties they're going through. He knows what they look like in the natural. And what he's saying is, he begins to point out his own ministry. And he begins to say, look what it looks like when you know that you've been translated. When you know that you're living in the kingdom. When you know God is for you. It looks like you can put up with anything in this world. Because you know that doesn't determine who you are. We sang that this morning. This is who I am. I am loved by him. Now, when you know that, to the depth the Holy Spirit wants us to know that, then you can put up with a lot. Because God's word never promised he'd separate us from trouble, did it? It says you will have trouble. But in the trouble, I want you to be a totally different person. I want you to overcome the trouble by being in me. Didn't you ever think it was strange that Jesus said to his disciples, take hearts if you have trouble because I have overcome the world. You might think, well, that's okay for you. I'm talking about me here, Lord. But what did the Lord say to Saul, Tarsus? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The Lord, the Holy Spirit, totally identifies us with Christ. That's who he sees us as, in Christ. And when Paul began to say these things in 2 Corinthians 6, you can see that he begins to list the ways in which who they really are looks nothing like that in the natural. In the natural realm, it looked like they were totally beaten, totally poverty-stricken, totally beaten down. Ribu said it during Breaking of Bread this morning. He says, we're, we're pressed down. But that's not who we are. He contrasts the way the natural sees the church and the way the Holy Spirit sees us. He says this in verse 8. As deceivers, we're seen as deceivers, yet we're true. As unknown, yet we're well known by heaven. As dying, but behold, we live. As chastened, yet we're not killed. As sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can live in the worst situation in life and live as somebody possessing all things. And look in the natural like you have nothing, but not live like you have nothing. 
still live in the midst of your troubles as someone who possesses all things. And this is what the Holy Spirit is quickening to the church, that you and I would believe that we are the people who in Christ possess all things. We aren't people who are called to see any man after the flesh. That's what Corinthians were told. But to see each man and every person after the Spirit. To see people in the light of what Christ has done for them. In the light of what Christ has done for this city, we have good news for those people. We have tremendous news. We have news the angels called great joy, mega joy. We have a gospel, a mega joy for this city. For we don't have just to see them in the natural. We can see them by the Spirit. And we can do that because, first of all, we've learned to see ourselves by the Spirit. Praise God. So church, does the Spirit not preach the same gospel, not speak the same language to us, not say to us too, in Christ you possess all things. In Christ, you're no longer people waiting for the day for God to hear you, to help you. You're no longer waiting for the acceptable day of the Lord. You're no longer waiting for the day of salvation. Or behold, the acceptable day of the Lord is here. The day of salvation is here. In Christ, you have been forgiven. In Christ, you have been healed. Now, that gospel has never made any sense to the natural mind, and it never will to the natural mind. It remains foolishness, but it's called the gospel of heaven, that anyone who is in Christ has died and is now hidden with Christ and God and lacks no good thing. And we are called as ministers of the gospel of heaven to preach the gospel from heaven's perspective, not from earth's, and to say to the church, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For church, you died, and you are now Today, on this day, hidden with Christ in God. That's not some new gospel. It's the old gospel of the new creation. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. And the Holy Spirit is still saying to the church, do not receive the grace of God in vain. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, church, you have been translated. You are in the kingdom of the Son. You have everything you need in Christ. Praise God. You don't need something new in your life. You need to see in you the new life that God sees. Let me finish by saying this. I've been talking all morning about heaven, how heaven sees us as believers and speaks to us and desires that we would speak the same way, that we would speak the language of the Spirit, because the language of the Spirit is life-giving, you know. But that's not the message I originally intended to give this morning. I don't know if you remember two weeks ago, I said to you this morning that I'd be speaking about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. What I wanted to do was speak about why aren't we changed then? If this is all true. Why can I sit in church for years and years and years and still maybe wake up this week as anxious as I was 10 years ago? Why has that not changed? And what I wanted to show you really is that beautiful verse in Proverbs. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And what the Holy Spirit is showing us is in Christ, all our dreams have been fulfilled. That's a tree of life. That's life. But hope deferred. If you live your Christian life still waiting for God to do a new thing, that disappointment in you will so sicken your heart that even when the Holy Spirit and when the gospel is preached to you, you will struggle to receive it. Because your belief system has been so sickened by waiting by living from an earthly perspective, by waiting for a better day. Zechariah and Elizabeth were a great example of that. Zechariah, you know, when he went into the temple, they had been praying for a child for many, many years, too long. And so he was a man of faith. The Bible says he was a man of faith. Make no mistake, it says Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's sight. You can't be righteous in God's sight except by faith. But you and I are people of faith, but we have issues of unbelief in our life. 
And that unbelief is there because we have waited and waited and waited and not seen things that we thought we would see by now in whatever situation we've been praying about. And that unbelief comes around your heart like a hardness. And you struggle even to believe and receive the gospel. Even if an angel came from God and spoke to you. It's one of the most amazing. We talked about astonishing angels. Let me just finish by reading you the words of Gabriel. Because he was so astonished. You know, when he, in Luke 1, you can read this. When he stood before Zechariah and said, Behold, your prayers are answered. Your prayers are answered. This is the day. Elizabeth's going to have a child. You know, Zechariah couldn't believe it. You know, how is that going to happen? I mean, look at the age of me. You see, he was so earthly minded. He didn't know how to think, how to receive the language of heaven. Gabriel was so shocked that he did something very rare for an angel. He began to speak about himself. That's what astonished angels do. He said, hello, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. An angel is telling you, you're going to have a son. And you're saying, how do I know it's true? One day we will see how astonished angels have been over the church of Jesus Christ. Over the things that you and I have not believed. So the angel said to him, from this moment onwards, your mouth will be stopped. You will not speak a word until that day. And you remember eight days after John the Baptist was born, they came to Zechariah and they said, everybody wants to name him after you. They want to call this child after you. What do you say? And there was a choice. He had to make a choice. Am I now going to speak the language of tradition? Am I going to speak the language of experience? Am I going to agree with everybody else, even in the church, as to who I am in my past? Or am I going to take the tablet and write, His name is Beloved of God. And the moment Zechariah wrote those words, His name is John, his tongue was loosed, and he prophesied nonstop for five minutes. And you see, that's the language that the church is supposed to be speaking. But when you look over your situation, okay, how many years it's been, and you don't appear to be changed. You don't speak of your experience, your tradition. You speak the supernatural language of heaven. And let me close by telling you what Zechariah said. It was beautiful. And this is what we're to say to this generation. God has remembered his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness, and in righteousness. Before him, all our days. Folks, in Christ, you can serve God without fear, in holiness, and in righteousness, all your days. And that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. I refuse to speak in any other language except the language of union. So church, speak that language and receive and hear the voice of God this year more than you've ever heard before that you would be changed more than we've ever been changed before. Praise God. Let's pray. Beautiful Father, thank you, Lord. And Father, we just declare this beautiful gospel. It's not good advice. It's good news. So, Father, we just thank you that your words are super above natural. These things seem too great for us to understand when we walk out the door back to our lives. But, Lord, that's not the language you speak. And we just received that today, that we will hear more and more your beautiful voice. The voice that calls us out. Out from hiding behind the bushes. Out from hiding behind the fig leaves. Out from hiding behind the name of our father, the name of our church, the name of our work, the name of our career. And out into the glory that you have given us. 
that the name you have given us is perfectly loved. The name you have given us is perfectly provided for. The name you have given us is perfectly righteous in Christ. Lord, help us to go on that TEFL course, (laughs) to learn to speak in this language of heaven, to learn to speak no other language, that when people meet us this year, they will find that when we speak, behold, he speaks as nobody else speaks, and they will hear Jesus. And Lord, your words will change, and we declare this in Jesus' name. Amen.